0: Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Runner, And my friends, I've been waiting for you. And today we're going to continue in our study in James chapter 5 in a brand new series, which is called Getting the Basics Right. This series is just jam-packed with so many insights that are wonderful. The subtitle says, Biblical Guidelines for Money relationships, prayer, and dealing with wayward believers, friends, or loved ones. It comes in multiple formats, and it comes with a study guide so that you can read all the material while you see it or while you hear it. We really want you to get this teaching down deep inside you. In James chapter 5, is so rich and filled with such important instruction. So please order yours today by going online or by giving us a call. And we're also offering you today and tomorrow, tomorrow will be the last day, our book, which is called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. In Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21, Jesus enumerated a list of signs that we would see just before he comes again. And my friends, the signs are all showing up, which means we're on the precipice of the return of the Lord, but you need to know the signs. So please order this book called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes, and it really is a book you're going to want to share with someone else. So you ought to order two or three, because I know you're going to want to share this with a friend. And when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you two books, as our way of saying, welcome to the partner family. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, 21, that the lips of the righteous feed many. I know that's my assignment from heaven, to feed the Word of God to as many people as possible. I can do the teaching. I can sit in this chair. I can do all the preparation. We can produce all of the programs, but our partners put financial fuel in the tank so we can pay for TV time. And take this teaching to people all over the planet. And that's why we call them partners. It's what we're doing together. We understand that God is the chief partner. One plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. But somebody has to plant and somebody has to water before God gives the increase. We plant with your financial giving as partners. You water the seed. And together we get involved and God then joins himself to us and brings increase into people's lives all over the world. And if you're already a partner, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. And if you're not a partner, would you please become a partner with our ministry? And if this program has been a blessing to you, then help us to make it become a blessing to somebody else. By just going online or giving us a call, you can become a partner right now. And we'll send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of difficult situations. This is dedicated to our partners, and we're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We send these two books to anyone who becomes a partner with our ministry. And please remember that if you need prayer, we're waiting for the phone to ring this very moment or for your email to show up in our inbox. And the moment we hear from you, in agreement with Matthew 18, 19, we're going to get into a prayer of agreement with you and Jesus is going to hear us and Jesus is going to answer and he's going to do something marvelous in your life. But we'll pray a lot better for you if we know how to pray. So give us a call or send us an email and the moment we hear from you, we're going to pray with you for God to move. But I'll be back in just a moment.
1: Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust. A message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God.
0: Here is Rick. My friend, reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program. And today we're going to return to James chapter 5, and we're going to be dealing with verses 13 to 18. But let's read them. In James 5:13, James says, Is any among you afflicted? Well, we know they were afflicted. Because they were going through very difficult times. He says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. What does that mean? You're going to find out today. And the Lord shall raise him up, and if you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Verse 17. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Verse 18, and he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. But let's go back to verse 13, where James asks the question, Is any among you afflicted? And the word afflicted is the Greek word kakopatheo. It's a compound of two words. The first word is kakos. This word kakos is a terrible word. It describes something foul, vile, horrible, destructive. The second part of the word is the word pathos. The word pathos describes a kind of suffering in the mind or in the emotions. While they may have been physically suffering, they were also suffering in their mind And in their emotions. They were just going through a really tough time mentally, spiritually, physically. And now James says, are any of you suffering on these particular levels? And he tells them what to do. He says, let him pray. Notice he doesn't say, let them pray. And this is important because very often when we have troubles, rather than run to the throne, we run to the phone. (laughs) And it's okay to run to the phone. If you need prayer, call us right now. But before you run to the phone, first you need to run to the throne. And notice that James puts the responsibility of prayer first on the person that's going through the hard time. Before you ask somebody else to pray, you need to pray yourself. And in fact, the RIV of James 5.13 could be read like this. Is anyone among you going through an extremely difficult time in life that's causing him a lot of grief? I urge that person to draw near to God, to pour his heart out to him, and be willing to give up anything and to do anything God requires in order for his situation to be changed. But the responsibility first is on the individual himself to pray. Then you can ask others to pray. But don't forget, you need to pray yourself. Then in James 5:13, James adds, Is any among you married? Well, that's quite a question. The word Mary is a translation of two Greek words. The whole word is euthumio. The word you describes something swell, something wonderful, and in fact, it is where we get the word euphoric. It describes a person that just feels euphoric about something. The second part of the word comes from thumos, which describes passions. But when you compound the two words together, guess what it describes? The new word expresses the idea of a person who's just about to explode with joy. He is so excited and so overjoyed, he can hardly contain himself. He's so tickled about something that he can no longer restrain the happiness that he feels. And James says, if you're merry, if you're elated, if you're euphoric about what is going on in your life, then let him sing psalms. Sing Psalms in Greek is the word salo, which means to pluck, as to pluck the strings of a harp or a bow, is the equivalent to saying, Hey, grab your guitar and begin to rejoice. But figuratively, it is used in the New Testament to describe a person who begins to pluck the strings of their heart and they begin to worship and rejoice and to sing and here James is again speaking to one individual, just like he said to the person going through a hard time, you pray. Now he says to the person rejoicing, you rejoice, which means you don't have to wait on somebody else to rejoice with you. Sometimes something wonderful happens in your life and you want people to rejoice. And when you share it, they just don't seem to get it. They don't understand how wonderful it is. Well, rather than be disappointed by their response, grab your guitar or begin to pluck the strings of your own heart and say, whether anybody else understands or not, I'm euphoric about what's happening in my life, and I'm going to sing psalms, and I'm going to worship God for what he's done. You can do that all by yourself. And the RIV of James 5.13 could be translated. Is there anyone among you so excited that he can hardly contain it And who feels as if he's about to burst with joy. If that person is so overjoyed and tickled that he can no longer restrain the happiness he feels, let him sing the song he feels in his heart. You can do that by yourself. You can do that right where you are without the participation of anybody else. And God will join you. He'll come to enjoy the praise and to enjoy the worship. You won't be alone very long. But then in James 5.14, he then adds, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Well, first of all, it's amazing that he even asked the question, Is any sick among you? If he were writing today to the church, he would probably say, now about all the sick people that are among you. But these believers had learned that healing was in the atonement, and he asked, are there any sick people among you? Is there any sick among you? That's how healing power was working among them. He had to ask, are there sick among you? The word sick that is used, here's the Greek word asthenio, and this word is full of revelation about sickness. The Greek word esthenio here, translated sick, is a word that generally describes a person who's frail in health. People so physically weak that they're unable to travel. That's very, very important in this verse. It carries the idea of those who are feeble, fragile, faint, incapacitated, disabled, or simply in such poor health that it would be unthinkable to transport them to some place. Hence, This word sick, the Greek word esthenio, depicts shut-ins or those that are homebound. And believe it or not, it can also describe those that are in financial need. And the truth is that when you're under financial, uh, when you're under physical attack and you're sick, it also also affects your finances because you spend all your money on medication, medical services. But the main point in this particular verse, shut-in or homebound. These people are so frail. They are so incapacitated, they can't leave their house. You cannot transport them. So this does not describe people with minor ailments like the common cold. Rather, it refers to people who are physically frail or feeble due to some condition. This deteriorated physical condition has rendered them unable to travel. They are homebound and unable to come to church to receive prayer for their healing. That's very important in this verse. And that's why he continues in verse 14 and says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders. This person is so sick, he can't go to church. He can't go to the elders. So James says, in this particular case, you need to call for the elders to come to you. And the word call is the Greek word proskaleo. It's a compound of two words. The word pros and the word kaleo. The word pros means toward. The word kaleo means to call, to invite, or to beckon. But when you compound the two words together, it means to call, invite, beckon, or to summon to one's side. And the tense that is used in this verse is an ardent plea. This is a person who's urgently asking the elders, please come to me to pray for me because I'm so sick I can't leave my house to come to you. That is what James is describing in this verse. And he says, let him call for the elders. The word elders is the Greek word presbyteros, which was used in the Septuagint version of the Old Testament to describe the ruling members of local synagogues in Israel or teachers of the law. But in the New Testament, The word presbyteros is used to describe official church leaders. Let him call for the official church leaders, asking them to come, to make an ardent plea. Please come. I'm so sick. I can't come to you. I need you to come to me. And then he says in verse 14, Is any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him? Doing what? Anointing him with oil. The Greek word alepho, which means simply to anoint with oil. Oil. Oil itself has no healing properties. It's simply oil. But in both the Old and in the New Testament, oil symbolically depicted the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Although the oil itself does not heal, the moment the oil is applied in prayer is the moment the sick person is to release their faith it is a point of contact for them to believe that God's presence is going to come upon them and is going to bring healing to their bodies. It is intended to be a point of contact and it is representative of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The word name here, the Greek word onema, and please listen careful. This is so powerful and so important. It represents the full authority that exists in the person being named. Listen, by praying in Jesus' name, a believer, by praying in Jesus' name, a believer actually stands in the physical place of Jesus, who is in heaven, and he acts on his behalf and in the authority that Jesus has invested to him as his authority. Official representative. Thus, the prayer is prayed by someone who is standing by the bedside, in this case, on Jesus' behalf. Jesus can't be there because Jesus is in heaven. But when you pray onama in the name of Jesus, it means you're standing in his position. You're standing in his behalf to do what he would do if he were there. And what would Jesus do if he were there? He would heal that person. He would heal that person and that's why James 5:15 continues to say the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the lord shall raise him up and if he committed sins they shall be forgiven him the word save here is the word sozo which many christians know it means to save but in fact it is the old greek word which means to heal it conveys the idea of wholeness in every part of your life which means this is not just a simple touch this is a deep touch It describes delivering and healing power that results in wholeness. The very Greek word sozo also means to deliver one from your enemies, to protect, to keep safe, and to put you under protection. It is a major move of God to totally deliver you, or in this case, to deliver the person that is sick. But guess what? Now the word sick is a different word. Before it was the Greek word asthenio, now it is the Greek word komno, which refers to a person who has long suffered from this affliction and is extremely weakened from the effects of this disease. But when the prayer is prayed in faith, and that person stands in the position and in the authority of Jesus and acts on behalf of Christ, the Bible says the prayer of faith shall raise him up. And in Greek it is the word igairo, which means to raise, but it is also from the root where we get the word for resurrection. He'll be resurrected. He'll be raised out of his situation. But it lets us know this particular sick person is so gravely ill that he's close to death at the time of prayer. He nearly experiences a resurrection. And the RIV of James 5, 14 and 15 is as follows. Is there anyone among you who is extremely weakened due to illness? If there is such a person, let him urgently call for the leaders of the local assembly to come and passionately petition God on his behalf. As the leaders pray, let them also anoint the sick person with oil standing in the very place of Jesus, acting on Jesus' behalf and using the authority of his name. The prayer offered in faith will have definite results, for it will restore the sick person's health as the Lord raises him up from his bed of affliction. That is powerful. Then in verse 15, he adds, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The word sins here is the plural version of the Greek word hamartia, which means to miss the mark, to fall short, to repeatedly fail, to do something wrong, which implies in this particular verse, the person may be sick because of something they did themselves. But if they've done something wrong that has opened the door to their affliction, they'll be forgiven. And the word forgiven is a translation of the Greek word, which means to forgive or to release, to set free, to let go, to discharge, or to permanently set away the prayer of faith and the confession of their mistake, together will also deliver them from whatever it is that made them sick in the first place. And then he says in verse 16, confess your faults one to another. The word confess, a word that means to exclaim, divulge, or to blurt out. You know, sometimes it's difficult for you to confess your faults. You got to work up the nerve to do it. And this verse literally means blurt out work up the nerve, finally say, just get it out, get it out of your system, blurt out, divulge your faults. The word faults, again, a form of the Greek word, hamartia. You're falling short where you've missed the mark, where you've habitually missed the mark. Confess it one to another and pray one for another. Here we find reciprocal action, praying for each other. We don't have to fear what people are going to think. We need to pray for each other so we can find deliverance and we can find freedom. And the verse says that you may be healed. The word that is the Greek word, hodi, explicitly for this reason. We're not just confessing things just to get it off of our heart. We have an objective, and the objective is healing, which here is the Greek word, eomai. Wow. The word iaomai means to cure. It usually describes something that you were cured of over a period of time, which means sometimes when deliverance begins, it begins and then it continues over a period of time. But it begins when you finally admit or blurt out what's been wrong or how the door was opened. Really, it's the act of contrition or repentance. Then in James 5, verse 16, it says, the effectual, fervent prayer of our righteous man. Wow. Wow. The word effectual, the Greek word energeo, it describes the energetic prayer. It depicts something that's powerful, a force that's ready to be set into motion, something that is active and filled with divine power. And the word fervent prayer here is the Greek word deesis. And the word deesis is a request for a concrete, specific need. This is not general praying. This is hitting the target when you pray. It is a request For a physical, tangible need to be met, a petition to meet a specific need that the person is praying about or is facing in life, which means we're to be very specific when we pray. And the Bible says the affectionate fervent prayer of a righteous man. The word righteous describes a person that is justified. You become justified the moment you call Jesus the Lord of your life and the blood of Jesus cleanses you. You become cleansed. And the verse says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Greek literally says has much power and much strength. And then it remarkably gives the illustration of Elijah, which verse 17 says was a man subject to like passions as we are. The Greek literally says he had similar struggles to the ones that we have, yet he had great power when he prayed. So don't think to yourself that your struggles eliminate you. Elijah was a man that had like passions as we have, but he had great power when he prayed, and so do you. But you need to pray. You need to pray. Release your faith and be specific when you pray, and God will move. And if you're so sick, that you can't get to church to request prayer, then these verses say, request somebody come to your house to pray for you. And if you're bound by some failure in your life and you just stay bound because you never confess it, work up the nerve to blurt it out and it will begin the process of deliverance in your life. That's what James says in James chapter 5. I'll be back in just a moment and I'm going to pray for you. Do you
1: struggle to know the answers to basic questions that come up in life? In this five-part series, Getting the Basics Right, Rick Renner will share what you should do if you are financially not being compensated correctly, to keep yourself encouraged when you feel surrounded by discouragement, to live free from bitterness and stay out of the retribution and vengeance business. If you need to be anointed with oil because you're sick, to intercede for the deliverance of a friend or family member who has wandered spiritually this series will equip you to get the basics right on vital everyday issues and problems available in digital or physical formats starting at just $10 this series contains essential information every believer should know and today we're also offering you the book signs you'll see just before Jesus comes scaring people with Bible prophecy should not be our goal but God in his great love has chosen to inform us explicitly about the last days so that we can be prepared in this book rick renner gives the signs you'll see just before jesus comes you'll learn where we are on god's timetable what specific signs we'll see to let us know we're coming to the end of the age the final and ultimate sign that jesus is about to come again and so much more This important and informative book can be yours for only $15. Don't delay ordering. The five-part series, Getting the Basics Right, and the book, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go
0: online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and right now, I'm standing in what's going to be the future studio for our television ministry in Moscow, Russia. Who would have ever believed that we would be broadcasting the Word of God from Moscow to the ends of the earth, but that's exactly what's happening. Romans 10:18 says their words will go into all the world, their voice to the ends of the earth, and it's really happening. And my friends, we're constructing the studio. Look at it. The walls are starting to go up. And within just two weeks, this entire building will be standing with the roof, the doors, the windows, everything. And then the work begins on the interior. And I get so excited thinking that right where I'm standing is where I'm going to be seated, looking into the camera to teach the Word of God to people all over the world who are crying out and who are saying, God, please send us someone with teaching that we can trust. I believe that's our assignment. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. And I know our job is to feed many the word of God. And we do it because of the anointing and because of your help as partners. Thank you for being part of the giving team that's making this come to pass. And if you're not already a part of the giving team, Please, would you pray about joining us to help us make this dream become a reality? We're off to a good start, but we need to finish, and we need as many people as possible to participate. So I welcome you to our giving team, and I thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do. What are you supposed to do when you know a loved one or a friend that has really veered from the faith and they're messing up their life? Well, that's what we're going to see tomorrow when we come back. But I'm offering you my whole series, which is called Getting the Basics Right. The subtitle says Biblical Guidelines for Money, Relationships, Prayer, and Dealing with Wayward Believers friends, or loved ones. This series is so powerful, and today and tomorrow are the last days that we're offering it on the program. So order yours today, and remember that it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you my book today and tomorrow only called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. He's coming, and we need to know what are the signs that alert us to the fact that He's just about to come for the church. But let me pray for you. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus that we can gather together and open our Bibles and see what you have to say to us on such important subjects. Thank you that we can get the basics right in our life. Oh, how I thank you for James chapter 5. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been great today, but I look forward to tomorrow. But until then, please remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information
1: on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.